Hello and welcome to this edition of the Naval Air Podcast with your hosts, Mike and Scott. Hello, Scott. Are you there? Well, good evening, Mike. Uh, good to be back with you and back with our uh, our listeners. Oh, quick, uh, quick, quick tangent. We, we do have some people. Yes, out, we do have some people out there downloading this. <laughs> I've been checking. Uh, you know, like, you know, less than twenty. <laughs> but there's some people. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> um, I think as maybe as more word gets out and uh, maybe yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that'll uh, become exponential in uh, in uh, interest. Let's. Let's hope so. I mean, I haven't done any hardcore uh, pushing, by the way. I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I haven't really either, honestly. So, we'll see. But, um, all right. So last uh, last time you were you were telling us the story about you coming straight to San Diego for search and rescue school and your arrival at the airport and the squadron a few days early. I, on the other hand, had gone home for vacation, vacation leave, and. Um, and since we talked last week, I was trying to think why. Why did I take the two weeks off and not go and not move on, right? So uh, I have my, I have an idea because I don't know for sure, but I think it's because all my friends from high school that were back home were home from college, right? They were home from college, so I you know now would be a good time to go home and visit them. Because once I think right. we, once I think you got to North Island, got into the rest of the pipeline, there'd be no breaks until after the rag or, you know, during the rag. You're right. Except we did get to go home on because I did go home at Christmas oh, time. Yeah, yeah. So did I. We went we went port and starboard. I mean, I didn't go home. I saved. Right. I I had uh, extended family in California to visit, but um, was there anybody else that you remember from our AWA school class? That went straight to North Island Sir, um, in the, Sar- gosh, in the, Sar- you know, the helicopter pipeline. I don't think so. That I, I'd have to look back at my graduation picture, because and I don't think there was anybody from our AWA school class. Okay. Yeah, in my because I'm I'm looking at the picture right. So uh, helicopter dudes: Dion, Miller, me, and Boomer. We all took time off. Right. Now, some of the P3 dudes that are West Coast might have gone with you to go to Sears School at this point, but I think you're the only helicopter dude in our class that didn't take time yeah, off. Yeah, see, and in my situation, I was a little bit older, so, you know, I wasn't really thinking about um, going home to see any, co- any you know, high college folks or anything like that. I kind of just... I kind of had in my mind that I was going to go through as far as I could and with a plan that they'd probably let me take leave in Christmas time, which they did. And, uh, you know, yeah, cause all training, it, it all worked out. All training good. stopped. Yeah. All right. So, um, how do you want to, how do we want to approach this? All right. So why don't you start telling your, your version of events and where they, sure. And where they touch mine, I'll say we did that too. <laughs> well, as I as I said uh, on our previous uh, uh, talk, that uh, you know we graduated, and uh, you know they said, uh, "Hey, you know you got two weeks or whatever." And uh, I didn't really get any real guidance. It was really kind of strange looking back at. It. I I literally they gave me, "Oh, you're not leaving." Okay, well let 
we'll send you to PSD and get you a voucher so you can buy a plane ticket. So I literally had to go to PSD, the personnel support division, get a voucher for the plane ticket. You know, I had my orders with me, obviously. And uh, they sent me over to Sato, the scheduled airline ticket office. I bought my own plane ticket. Somehow I managed to get from the base to uh, the Memphis airport, I have, which I have no recollection of that, but I got, I got myself there. Got on a uh, flight to San Diego with a stop in Denver. And, you know, when I got there, um, well, it was kind of late. And uh, because of my previous airline employment, I still had a valid employee ID card that didn't expire until um, the end of the year. So I uh, got a room at the Marriott and uh, woke up and I looked across and there's NAS North Island which I knew was where I was going. And I was kind of fascinated because they had the big double dome hangars there. And I saw helicopters. How many uh, carriers were in port? Do you remember? Um, I think there might've been two of them, like the Connie and the Ranger or one of those. So at the time, the Connie, the Ranger and the Kitty Hawk were all were, imported there. Yeah, that, that was our three. Those were our three carriers. And, uh, I believe I'm pretty sure one of them was the Ranger because later on, I remember, uh, going down to, look at them up close yeah, yeah no the ranger was one of them i i i yeah it was ranger connie and kitty 61 63 64 right ranger yep. Kitty, connie yeah. all razor blades now right unfortunately <laughs> uh uh yeah and i did four deployments on the kitty hawk too really so yep part of that so carrier, I, I, spent, okay. I spent over two and a half years of my life underway on that ship you know, when you, when you factor in workups and everything else. So I spent a lot of time on that ship. Wow. Do you feel, yeah. Do you feel close to that boat or do you good? Riddance? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. Because, you know, she was, uh, when I was, uh, in carrier wing five in Japan, you know, she was flying the, uh, don't tread on me for the oldest commission ship, uh, in oh, the Navy. The, and, uh, the, the stripe, the stripe Jack that now everybody flies because, you know, yeah. Cause of nine 11. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she was over there in Japan, and the Japanese had a reputation for taking really good care of the U.S. ships on port of there. So her material condition was, was very good. And, so you Okay, uh, so when you were on the – she was the Ford deployed boat. Yes, sir. Okay, because at this time, when we're talking about, you know, summer of 83, the Midway was the Ford deployed boat in Japan. That's right. Yep, she was over there in Midway. CV-41. All right, so you wake up, you go to so what day of the week? Was yeah, so it? We, we graduated Wednesday, I, right? You know, I, I'm having the damnedest time. What was the whatever day we graduated? Yeah, you have to go back and look so at the calendar. I'm pretty sure it was a Wednesday we left. It was the first of June of 1983. Okay, I'm gonna yeah because that. there was activity there at the base. You know, I saw H 46s taxing and helicopters taking off. I don't remember, uh, you know, seeing any H uh, 2s at the time. Yeah. Um, at the time, I had no idea where they were even on the base, you know, because I'd never been there before. I'd never been to San Diego. In fact, up to that point, I'd never even been to California. So uh, everything was all new for me. All right. So it's very likely this is th Thursday, June 2nd. Right. June 2nd, woke up there. Okay. Got a cab. I remember going across the uh, Coronado-San Diego Bay Bridge because that's, that's a pretty big bridge with a hell of a view, and I could see the carriers and the base, and I'm going, wow, this is – you know, I'm, I'm really uh, starting a big adventure here, and I was a little 
uh, not nervous. I was uh, had that anticipation, you know, that uh, not really sure exactly what's going to happen, but it's probably going to be something uh, uh, pretty cool, but at the same time pretty challenging, which is uh, very accurate, I'd say. Do, do you remember how much the bridge toll was in 1983? I want to say it was 75 cents, but I could be wrong about that. Dollar twenty. Was it really that much? I remember they said they were going to get get rid of it, and okay. then when they paid the bond off, they said, "Oh no, not, well, okay, we're, not, we're not getting rid of it." It's free to cross now. Okay. Oh, is it? It has been for like the last, oh shoot, maybe twenty years. I don't. know. It's free oh, to cross. Okay. But I remember very clearly it's a dollar twenty because when I lived off off base, you had to pay that. I paid, paid that annoying a dollar twenty, right? Uh, uh, they gave and us there's little, no easy pass in those days. They gave us little ticket books. You could prepay ticket books. Yeah, I remember those. So I had those. It was three forty cent tickets to come yep. to take the bridge in the morning, and then yeah, it was I free. Had those. It was free to leave. They didn't give a rat's about you leaving. Because I never lived on the island the entire time. Because I was stationed in San Diego for twelve years, you know. Later on, and I never uh, lived on the island. I lived in a bunch of other different places, but uh, um, the island was getting expensive, you know. Um, yeah. Well, it's it, it's got a reputation for having um, you know, the, the most retired uh, flag officers in the United States, you know, in, in a central town. So it was. Yeah. If you want to talk about the quintessential Navy town, not in the way of a Norfolk or whatever, uh, Nor- uh, Coronado, California, was definitely officer country for the most part. Yeah, it's a, I'd love to live there. But I did yeah. uh, do a lot of stuff there. I mean, uh, I used to, I believe it or not, I, that, their library there was awesome. I used to go to the library there quite a bit uh, when I was taking college courses later on. And, uh, you know, some of the watering holes uh, that were like the Little Club and uh, enjoyed going there. The Mexican place the just down the street. Mexican yeah. Village, and, gone. Uh, that, and the Day Night Cafe used to go there a Day lot. Day Night too. Cafe still there. And that Italian restaurant that oh. uh, we all went to after Sears School, where I could eat about two bites of food, and that was it. I know which place you're talking about. We went there. For, yeah. We went there for carb loading before Hell Day for Sars School. Oh, did I, you? I know exactly what place you're talking about. I just can't think of the name of it. Yeah. So they dropped me off at the quarter deck, um, right there at the main gate. You know, if you come in the main gate in North Island, it's just there to the right. And of course, they got the the duty officer and the uh, the leading uh, or the enlisted uh, assistant duty officer, you know, logs me in and goes, "Oh, you're let me see your orders, whatever." And uh, I can't. I think the duty driver from HC1 collected me, brought me there, and uh, actually, the duty officer was at the time the air the SAR school division officer, and. Uh, Young, it was actually an ensign too. He was, uh, you know, a naval aviator, young guy. Okay, well, if he was an ensign, he wasn't an aviator yet, was he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a few guys like that that, uh, you know, uh, you know, got out of out of. Because uh, remember, the training for the helicopter guys was the shortest of all the syllabus. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. they do primary. So he got. He was still. Yeah. So he was still, you know, probably getting ready to pin on JG pretty quick, but he was still a, an O one young uh young guy and uh from there um i don't remember a whole lot other than somehow i wound up assigned to the sar school and working for that equipment dude that you spoke of with the glasses 
the, the, the PR the one. little guy, the little. <laughs> yep. 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 The lifer dude, right? And, he was a <laughs> and he actually issued us like training gear. Yeah. I am. Um, to use while we were just like in the build-up phase, and uh, I don't think my build-up phase really lasted very long. I want to say maybe, that uh, maybe a week. Maybe a week. Yeah, a week. And, and at the time, they still had Master Chief Bosun's mate, Master Chief Kazmar, was there. And he was being relieved by PRCS um, Cobber, who the at that time, they had a really good shore duty billet for the SEALs, where uh, they'd come from the fleet, and they made them the um, chief petty officer in charge of the rescue swimmer school. And it was I think it was probably the smart one of the smartest things that the navy did because these guys knew exactly how to train someone that was going to be in the water yeah and someone that was going to be need to have good upper body strength good leg strength calm knew, demeanor. uh calm, calm yeah, right calm very extremely calm uh almost very the good sense of humor you know <laughs> and and of course we immediately admired these guys from the get-go I mean Master Chief Kazmar used to go out at lunchtime with his mat and do flutter kicks at lunch and read the newspaper uh, keeping in mind this gentleman had um, a bronze star with a V and a couple of purple hearts from Vietnam so he was the real deal so Senior Chief Cobra was a PR? yep he was a PR oh, I did yep. not know that I couldn't yep. to tell you. And his brother was, a, and his brother was also at the time a Navy SEAL. He was still in the fleet, though. I forget what team he was in because when we were doing some stuff, yeah, that, his brother that, was actually doing casts out of an H forty six one day when we were. He heard his brother was going to be out, and um, they also did the. I want to say it was the same day we were doing our day jumps that that uh, that his brother was out there also doing something. Yeah, but he and his, he. And, uh, he and his brother got to do the parachute jump for Top Gun together. Yep, yep. And that, he, he retired as a Master Chief. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. And he, now he's like a consultant for like comp corporate security, you know, like executive protection and that kind of stuff. And uh, he's like on my LinkedIn. He's, you know, he's, he was a really nice guy at yeah, the time, was. too. I'm super nice guy. No, um, but, all okay. those guys were, actually. Well, they were nice until Hell Day. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, they were—they were all about building you up, right? You know, positive attitude. You can do this, right? There, you know, it's, there's nothing you can't. And they're going to beat the shit out of you for, you know, a good solid eighteen hours. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just all the evolutions with training were were. I mean, they were serious, right? But they weren't threatening, right? No. There's no yelling and screaming. You're a piece of you know, piece of crap, and you're never going to No, I never his... heard them ever, no. ever. Uh, in fact, I very rarely ever heard them cuss, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, um, you're right. So, you know, we did some uh, work with uh, the, the PR1, and of course we PT'd. Uh, um, you know, it was uh, one of the, uh, it was usually like the Master Chief, he was the one that would PT us. Because I think the instructors are basically taking a break. You know, between classes. Okay, so yeah, the week, that's right. So they finish a class, they take a week off, and then the class yep. convenes. So you your build-up yeah. was their week off, okay. Yeah, so the Master Chief was pretty much the one PTing us, and, 
you know, he wasn't particularly, uh, I wouldn't, uh, uh, harsh or challenging about it. We just did a bunch of the seal exercises and, and the seal, uh, exercise re regimen that we were trained with was basically a lot of stretching. You know, you think a lot of it was strength stuff, which there was, you know, we did the pull-ups, the dips, the push-ups, the eight count bodybuilders, squat thrusts, thrust. all these, uh, chase the rabbit, you know, all these other exercises, uh, jumping jacks, but we also did a lot of stretching exercises because they knew that if you did not do proper stretching in between different exercises, a good chance of injury. So, and this is, this is the kind of scientific knowledge that they've gathered over decades of training, man, they, they know how to do it. There's just no doubt about it because really nobody ever got injured during training, you know, suffered any kind of, uh, pulled muscles or anything like Correct. not in my class anyway um so you know did that um and uh you know i, I was in the 864 barracks which <laughs> was not i would say the nicest barracks on the base i i like um, to liken it to the to the island of misfit toys yeah yeah exactly because uh, it was a, it was all right so it was like it's kind a, of a dump really it was like <laughs> Well, it was a double H kind of a style, right? So you had, I mean, yeah. and the petty officer club was in the middle, and then had two a, had huge, huge central head in it. Uh, and then uh, each each wing. each wing had a had a head. We had one arm of, you know, or like one leg of the H, the farthest one out. We had the one next to the PSD yeah. parking lot. Yeah, well, we shared the parking the lot. Yeah, we shared the parking lot with the with the PSD, um, and yeah, it was. And, yeah. Raised floor kind door, of a place, creaked when you yeah, walked. Yeah, and the end door opened up to the road. There was like steps you went down, and then the other yeah. end opened up to the central courtyard where like the laundry area was, yep, if I remember yep, correctly. Yeah. And uh, I think they had us, what, was it four to a room, Mike? I yeah. forget. Uh, well, there was two bunk beds, but there was only three. There's only three in my time. Okay. Um, I, I, I remember the one guy. Glenn Kazook. Yep. I can't remember the other dude. So these Glenn was in your class, right? Glenn. And they had us mixed up too because uh, yeah, I think Mike uh, Mike Dion was in my room. Gary Minter. Yeah. Okay. And myself. Then, I forget if Russ Miller was in that room or not, but I know Mike Dion was and Gary Minter I, was. I want to say Russ and Poston were in with uh, Mercer, maybe John Mercer. Yeah. Maybe just because they were in there all the time, you know, hanging out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. we, we kind of tended to gather in one or two rooms. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, so I was I was in my class. The only dude in my class in my room was me. Glenn Kazook and that other dude were in your class in my room. Mm -hmm. And then when, they, when you guys graduated, I can't remember the dudes that came in after them. Because there's always a, you know. You didn't people, have we didn't have a whole hell of a lot in the way of furniture in there either. I think we had the, no. the whole the metal lockers, giant gray right. metal lockers that you know yep. if you moved them, the the doors came out of whack, right? You couldn't yeah, close them. Yeah, um, yeah. No, uh, I had a top. I had the top bunk until those guys left. So that was easily four week. The first four weeks for me. Yeah, I had a bottom bunk from the get go. Just kind of lucked out that way. Um. So yeah. So, so you know that. So, it, so that so build-up week, yeah. I don't have a lot of real big memories of that, um, other than the fact we did we did some chores with the PR1, like trying to reset everything, 
like all the training gear that we were, you know, they issue, you know, like, you know, getting it ready. And I think we're, you know, doing like upkeep and all that stuff, whatever he asked us to do, you know, we did, we PT'd, we went and swam in the pool, you know, basically just swimming laps. They didn't have us doing anything, but just swim laps. You know, they, we, they issued us our mass fin and snorkel and we, I don't know if we got our UDT trunks then or not. I can't remember. Okay. So the way uh, I the way I re- the way I remember is we got those short utility green things. Yeah. They, oh yeah. The greens. That. Yeah. With the uh, hat. Yep. The the marine fatigue green eight pointed hat. Um, yep. They gave. They told I, us. Uh, they gave us. Can you UDTs. believe I still have mine? How did you manage to keep it? I just asked him if I could keep it because he was going to throw it away. Mine was so ragged out. Oh, okay. Well, that, he, said, sure. he says, yeah, I'm going to get rid of that. You, uh, Do you want it? And I'm like, yeah. yeah heck yeah. Of course. So I still have it. Um, yeah. They gave us the UDTs. They told us to paint, you don't know, spray paint, our name and number on our T-shirts. Yep. Um, and he gave us, they gave us the whole kit, right? The, the mask fin yeah, snorkel, the, the SAR yeah. harness, and the buoyancy compensator. They gave us all that. Yeah, not the ones we were going to get issued for, like, our real gear. They were, like, training ones because we had the uh, um, the old-style uh, rescue harnesses. When, when did, we – yeah, we got the, the stuff to keep when we got our wetsuits. Yeah, because the original SAR harness were issued still had the butterfly spring snap on it. Shit, I can't believe I'm remembering that. Uh, um the issue one had the frost fitting on it. Yes. Damn, this is really good for my memory. <laughs> Glad. Um, all right, so yeah, we got. I don't think I've even said these words in decades. You know. Yeah, but they're still in there. They're rattling around. Yep. All right, so do what do you um, remember about day one, week one, day one? Oh, a week one, day one of Star School is, uh, you know, so we we mustered. Uh, went up into the classroom as i remember we got introduced to our class leader who was ad1 baker instructor baker and we were introduced to the staff and and uh they kind of gave us the rules you know you dress all the instructors as instructor it doesn't matter what their rank is um except all the other except they handed out like the booklet and, uh, you know, kind of just basically went over the ground rules of, uh, you know, what we we're going to do. And, uh, you know, I remember Master Chief Coburn says nobody quits, you know, so that kind of, you know, the little pep talk kind of a thing. I have my book here. I have my HC1 student workbook. Oh, that's cool that you kept that. The mission of the AirPAC SAR School to train helicopter search and rescue wet crewmen in rescue procedures with emphasis on assistance to a waterborne survivor. Dated June of 1983. And my class was 83009. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, in the classroom, they had the mannequins with all the equipment up there. It's a pretty big room, as I remember, too. Yeah, because... Um, and we were hardly ever in it, right? We we took some yeah. CPR class, we took some first aid. The corpsman taught us that, um, but I mean, we weren't in there very very much. No. And then of course, uh, you know the the uh, uh, the the fun began. I think we had to do the PT in, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, that that sounds that, right. Yeah, that, because we had to do with the and the PTN, if I'm not mistaken, was they took us out uh, to the triangle out there where the grass was, and we did the push-ups, the sit-ups. They took us over. We did the pull-ups. The pull-up bar was right. It, the pull-up bar was right by the right PR by shop. The door. Yeah, it was the PR yep. shop. It was right by the PR shop. That. Yeah, it was like a little shed right now, and it had the dip bars there and all that. And uh, we didn't realize at the time, you know, HSL 31 Framp was uh, on the first deck there. Were they really? <laughs> did you know that? No. Yep. Oh, wait. Yeah, I do. One of the, I, the LSE I, school was the LSE and HCO school. HSL 31 LSE HCO school was but, on that first deck, not Framp. But, but now that you say that, I remember going back to that building for training for when we checked in HSL 31 all students went to some training on that first first floor yep yep telling you to stay that. out of Tijuana I remember that yep yep <laughs> that was the main thrust of that uh, we didn't really listen to that though did we ah uh, you know um, I, you, okay we had to go check, get the check in the block i i i, 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 never know, went I remember to... going down there uh a few times our I, little uh but we didn't go down there till we got to HSL 31, I don't think. I didn't go to Tijuana. I went to Rosarita Beach. Mm. Well, that's much nicer. I, later on, much later on, I went to, um, whatchamacallit, what's further down from Rosarito Beach? Um, Ensenada? Ensenada. Ensenada's nice. Stayed in a really nice place down there. But anyhow, um, so... We did the, the after we did the run. We did a three mile run, and you really didn't get much rest between. I think it was a minute between each evolution. Like, we did the push ups a minute, sit ups a minute, run over to the pull up bar, did the pull ups. How many you could and do? And then yeah. they had their area where we started running right there in front of the school. And then they took out a truck or something like that, or one of the instructor was out there, you know, to turn around. You know, that's your turnaround. And they're out. I think all the instructors were out there running with us too, and they're like, you know trying to encouraging encouraging guys you know i think there was a couple guys that that were kind of struggling with the run a little bit and uh in fact for the most part with the with the exception of the pt out that was really about the only time you ran on your own you pretty much we pretty much ran and at least tried to run correct in, in a group in a formation yeah in a group yeah and then we went immediately the to the pool and then we got in the pool, and I think it was, if I remember correctly, Mike, it was 800-meter swim. No. To start, really? 800 I think so, meters? yeah. Yeah, we it's... did the full SAR PT, and they wanted to see what a baseline was. I must have blocked that out. I'm pretty cause, sure. Cause that was, okay, so that pool, that was a 50-meter pool, right? So 800-meter swim yeah. was down and back 16 times? Yeah. Yep, I think I'm oh. pretty sure it was, yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, that's what we had to do for our sorry vow, right? Every every year. So, um, yeah. So we did that, and then, uh, you know, I don't remember what we did after that. Um, I do remember, you know, like the whole lecture about, you know, before you come out out here, you will be completely wet. Uh, um, and of well, course, the first day, there's people that don't really pay attention to that. They don't understand what completely wet means. Right. Yeah, and you haven't even started five minutes, and they're already, you know, leaning and resting with a cold water from a freaking hose spraying on them to get you completely and, wet. And uh, you're standing at attention on your spot. You know, they had the little feet there with the number. And what was your number? Do you, you remember? You had to have your. What's that? What was your number? Uh, Do you remember? 
mine was a really low number, like two, I think. Really? I was like one of the, yeah. I don't know how I wound up with such a low number, but I was very close to the end. Not the end, but like maybe one or two from the end. Like I think Carl, the class leader, stood next to me, so I think I was number two. I was number six, Richard Freed. Just by, you know, pure, I don't know how they assign the numbers, but that's where I wound up. And, alphabetical. Um, our class Our class is alphabetical. Yeah. Uh, maybe there wasn't a lot of people between uh well dave barton is a b so i maybe i'm wrong i but i know i was up to the front or you know closer to the locker room so i'm i'm flipping through my uh my book here and i come across my uh my material receipt right the 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 card where you sign that you received your mask historical yeah. swimmer's yeah. harness sar vest fins booties udt trunks green shorts shirt and hat and the sizes of each yeah yep. and the date and what was new and what was used. So I got I got my mass snorkel, fins, booties, UDT, and all that, and the greens on 15 July. And then my harness and SAR vest came on 18 July. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and so now I have to look at the calendar and I have to backtrack. So if you started on June, come on now. Clicky, clicky, 83. So you were, let's see, so you would have started on the 13th because I arrived on the 17th. So 13th, 20th, 27th, yep. 4th of July, 8th of July would be your graduation. Yep. The week off. So yep. yeah, so the my last day of buildup, the 15th of July, I got my stuff for, for, you know, the class. And then on the first day of class, I got the last two items 18 july is when i started so backtracking a little bit sorry, you know, obviously, sorry about that <laughs> I'm just no, that's all right they they explain the protocol of how you conducted yourself on the pool one the pool was not a pool it was an ocean, ocean simulator, simulator. <laughs> which meant if you lost something and it was on the bottom it was lost for good until they told you to retrieve it and there was a certain way in which you um, had to set your gear up because we always ran everywhere. So we ran in formation holding our gear in our left hand, I think. And like a little packet, yeah. right? We had to put it together yeah, like a little packet. Yeah, there's a certain way that you had to do it or, you know, that then you got, you know, you were doing leaning and resting if you didn't do it because they were really big on attention to detail and following directions exactly how you were told to do it. Yep. Uh, without any deviation, you know, because and there's a reason why they emphasize that. But uh, be that as it may, the big the other rule was, of course, getting wet. And of course, you're going to get uh, you're going to be leaning and resting uh, and getting thoroughly wet after that. Uh, if you failed, that's something you didn't wet. make the mistake of doing very often. No, never. Uh, All you had to do is see him yeah. see him do it, hose somebody down once to know they were serious. It, you, and then you didn't want to be that person. Yeah. <laughs> and you for sure made you got all. I mean, because that water coming out of that hose was freaking cold. And the pool, I know that the pool wasn't. The pool wasn't all that warm either, really. But it was. <laughs> and in, even though you're in San Diego, they had the June gloom, so it wasn't exactly all that warm. You're standing out there, and they used to rag on people who were standing out there shivering, you know. So was it okay? Uh, do you remember the pool was heated officially? I don't think it was because it sure as hell didn't feel like it. I don't, but see, I don't remember it being that cold. 
I remember the water being freezing cold, like an unheated pool. No, it wasn't freezing cold, but it wasn't. It, maybe they heated it a little bit, but because it wasn't just used for us. I mean, people did lap swim there. It was like the base swimming pool. Yeah, you know, everybody used. Yeah, especially after hours. Uh, then they had this other deal. Uh, oh, before I get too far along, that first day, I just remember. Yes, we did go to the pool. We did have to get all wet and do all you know the SAR swim. If anybody failed that of course they're going to be held they got to do it again later in the day but the other thing that we did at the pool which was a pass fail evolution was our first encounter with climbing up to the <coughs> excuse me to the tower if i remember correctly and you had to jump off the tower or go all the way to the bottom push off and go all the way to the other end under the water yeah i remember that if you failed to do if you failed to do it the way they told you to do it which meant you go all the way to the bottom you push off the bottom. You stay along the bottom. You don't come up close to the surface. You stay along the bottom. And then you touch at the end of the pool. You're good. Get out. But we <clears throat> we had a few people that, like one guy, he jumped in, immediately popped up, and they let him do it one more time, and then he was out. And, and that was uh, another AW2 that was later in your class. <laughs> uh, good guy, though. He just uh, kind of struggled with that. Um, I, I was in pretty good shape, and I I like swimming underwater. I just got relaxed and just did it, and it wasn't a yeah. it wasn't a big a big problem. Uh, but you gotta you gotta wonder someone that who made it that far in the pipeline. It was a helicopter dude. Yeah, um, that, that he couldn't do in a simple twenty five meter underwater yeah, swim. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the other things and uh, that they they did that was part of the rules um, was. You, whenever they yelled, any time they yelled "star," you just jumped in the pool with all of your gear, and you had to put your gear on. And that's what the first one of the first times you heard the phrase, "It pays to be a winner." <laughs> now that's something, and this is the unusual thing. You know, you got all these crazy people out there that are, you know, that they're doing the fake Navy SEAL. You know, the pick up chicks, or you know, get a get a you know, a break for, you know, a free hamburger or whatever reason it is, they, they're fake being seals. Right. Uh -huh. So we're, 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 we're kind of like, you know, we're being trained by them. So we're like tadpoles, you know, I mean, we, we never get past the tadpole stage. So we get a little smidgen of a taste of what, uh, some of those guys go through. And one of the things that they say a lot at buds is it pays to be a winner, which means you didn't want to be the last person in any evolution. That's right. No matter what, it, <laughs> because you didn't want to draw attention to yourself That's because right. those guys zero in on who the weak guy is because yeah. they're going to try to make them quit. And they pressure, right? and they pressure amps up. Yep. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I was not going to be one of that guy. Right. Um, or you screwed up and you didn't do it because they demonstrated how to do it. I remember instructor Baker jumping in the pool and showing us how to do it. And less, you know, you slide your less, fins though. up your arm, you, you put your booties on, you put one fin on so you can help yourself stay up. Yeah. You know, and then, then you the, they put the harness or the other fin on, then you put your at harness that on. That point it was easy. And then once, you, once you put your SAR, in, yeah. SAR 1 on, and then you uh, put your mask on, clear your mask, and you get up uh, and sit on the edge of the pool. With and your then hands up. Last, with your hands up yeah. and your feet out of the water. Exactly. So that was something that uh, we did that day, and uh, okay. See now, that, I, and, freak, and 
infrequently um, so this, that we, we did that. I remember the evolution being it always started, I mean, after you got demonstrated, but every every time we went to the pool, you took your complete shower, right? Yep. Completely wet. Yep. You stood on your number with your little pack, your little package of fins, mask, snorkel, and harness, right? Sitting there on the deck. You stand there at attention, and, and then they would call out SAR, and you pick up your stuff and jump in the water and get it done. The first week, you had three minutes, and the rest of the time, you had two minutes or less to get it done. And and the ocean simulator, remember the ocean simulator had no sides and it had no bottom. And no ladder. <laughs> <laughs> and I got, a, I got a funny story about the ladder later on. But, uh, that um, just makes me laugh. <laughs> I think the real the real fun actually begins because day one they're trying to weed out the people that, you know, they're not prepared for whatever reason. They don't make it through the SAR PT to Dude, swim the, yeah, or they, they don't. They don't fail. They fail the underwater swim. Whatever evaluations that they do that first day, um, I I don't remember anything beyond that. But I do remember beyond that time is when the fun, real fun starts. You know, you show up in your greens and you had to wear a freaking web belt with a buckle of the thing. Yep. The thing too. Yep. So and it was no race. I remember them saying, "Go out and got buy some socks with no racing stripes." And of course, there's <laughs> always one guy that shows up. And he's got the freaking racing stripes. Because remember back in those days, the, the gym socks, they yeah. had the racing stripes yeah, the on them? stripes at the top, yeah. Yep, and sure <laughs> enough, there's a guy that showed up with him. Of course, I forget who that was, but needless to say, he was going to get extra strong that day. Um, <laughs> so they had this area, and I think Mike talked about it. It was in a the industrial complex of the uh, air station. In other words, where we were was completely surrounded um, on three sides by what was known then, I think, as the Naval Air Depot San Diego or Naval Air Depot rework North facility. Island. Which Naval Air Rework, rework facility. facility. That's right. Naval Air Because they changed it to Depot, I think, later on. And at that time, that was the largest industrial complex in naval aviation in the United States. They, they re, What they did is they overhauled uh, aircraft, uh, and it so was primarily all what we called sand crabs or, or civilians that were doing all of this work. Do you remember the airplanes? And, the airplane. I remember E2s. Yeah, they had uh, F4, still had F4s they were doing. And I remember uh, E2s. E2s uh, S3s. And uh, 46s maybe? Uh, 46s, yeah. 46s because they had the cage for the rotor blades. And that was, that was, to... that was it at the time that I remember. I don't remember any other airplanes yeah. being on there. And so on the other side uh, of that area was was look kind of close was the flight line, and then you had at the time which was medical. So in between all of that was a big parking lot, and then this we called it the triangle, and which was a grass area, and this was our designated PT ground, which was kind of interesting because you're literally on display. Play. It's a fairly high traffic area. There's a bus stop uh, there. A, a base bus stop. bus stop. I was literally was right, like right was next right, to that stupid bus that? stop. Yeah. You know, and these people are looking out the window, going, you know, oh my god, I'm glad I'm not one of are, these guys. Are right? these guys a basic training? Who are these guys? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, right. And you had your spot. You always went to the same spot. Uh, there would always be at least one, at least one for sure, and probably all of them out there. Doing this stuff, 
and this is when you immediately saw the leadership and action of of senior chief Carver because you know we're all pretty young and 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 for, at that time he's old, old us he's probably like 35 ish something if, like yeah. that yeah yeah you know in that in that realm so and mass chief Kazmar was like in his like late 40s oh yeah he maybe been pushing 50 mid 40s yeah. now how could you possibly bitch if they're out there doing exactly the same stuff you're doing every single instructor with the exception of the corpsman right i didn't see doc out there every every day no hell no heck no but i saw or okay. the pr1 he was never out there either he well, was in okay. drinking coffee well the pr1 during my build-up was the guy that was running our pt he would run with us he would oh PT, cool he would pt with us he took us to the pool he wouldn't go in the water with us but he would he would run and pt with us but you know make uh, mcmaster Daniel, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Baker, all those guys were out front with us, um, doing the stuff with us, and and sometimes they tag team too, right? Come on, one guy would be doing the flutter kicks and he was done, he'd leave, and somebody else would come in for to lead us yeah. with something else. Yeah, so you know, they, and, and this is their... when you got the uh, the the very that second day when the, when the real PT started that these guys aren't joking around when it comes to this PT stuff. Because we had two Marines in our class, and both of the Marines were going, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, like comparing it to Marine Corps boot camp and what the way they PT'd, because uh, it was it was tough. It really was. And some of the stuff that you did, uh, you know, it was just, in hindsight, was downright painful to do. Like the... the uh, chase the rabbit which is difficult to describe um let's just say it's you're 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 bent over and you're you're running in place that's with your hands on the deck and you're running in place that that's a chase the rabbit those were not pleasant uh we did a lot of flutter kicks a lot of flutter kicks or six inches i mean they get done and then they're yelling at you six inches six inches and all the instructors are out there circulating yep uh, to make sure that you're doing it, and and they'd be looking. Even the guy that's up there, whoever it was, uh, uh, yeah, um, okay, the one guy, um, McMaster. There, he he was a big PT animal. He later went to buds, and so yeah, he'd be yelling. He'd notice you out while he's in the flutter kick position at six inches. So he's yelling at you to be, you know. I remember even yelling at me a few times, you know, get your butt down, number what, or you know, by yeah. name or whatever. Um, the eight count bodybuilder that was a tough one um, that's kind of a combination of a push up squat thrust um, kind of combined and that's a standard you Navy. had to be um, we did those in sync thing. when you did it right yeah well that counts right one two three with a rhythm to it but 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 they would get annoyed if people would get off you know because <laughs> They'd say, all right, you know, they'd, uh, I remember what they would say would eight count position or uh, eight count bodybuilders. Are you ready? Hey, right. Remember that? Everybody would say that and uh, begin. Right. And so we'd start doing the count and somebody would get screwed up or forget how to count. And, and they'd stop and we'd start <laughs> over again. Yikes. And it, it got so bad one time that I forget who said it. Uh, you know, eight count bodybuilders. Are you ready? Hey, by the ripple, begin. <laughs> And and that's okay. where one guy did it, and then the second guy did it. You know, you're just like clowning around a little bit because oh we were just so spastic in that first week. 
so you've done all of that for a good solid i want to say hour maybe yeah, maybe maybe yeah about an hour of that Ish. you know in between you're doing stretching and and you know kind of getting a little bit of a breather and then uh i think they let us uh we go over and we do dips and pull-ups and then you got like five minutes to go up and you use the head come back out yep. and now you're going to go for starting out i think they started us out like three miles and we're running in formation and you know they they would do their little we the little cadence things that we used to do that um and whatnot no. and i'll never forget uh you remember john bruff hang on a sec oh boy i didn't want to sneeze in the microphone did i catch it did you hear it or did i cut it in time no i didn't i didn't hear it <laughs> so do you remember john bruff yeah he was uh john was in was he not in my class no, he was in. Uh, I thought he was in my class. He was I'm, in my class. I'm looking at my yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah, he was in my class. Yeah, I, his and, his his nickname was Bruff because he would barf. Well, he would run to yeah, barf. Well, yeah, well, I was right behind him, and the first three days of rescue swimmer school on that run, he was puking orange juice. You know, from breakfast. Yeah. You know, because I think the smell of the tar. Remember all those logs out there? Yes. You know, it was well, it's getting to him. And you're running along a taxiway with. Uh, H3s and H46s spewing, you know, burnt, burnt JP yeah. on you, and yeah. I remember. And that. this is, you know, kind of the beginning of where um, you learned about staying together. Because if you didn't stay together, you circled back to go get that guy. And uh, um, they would stretch that because, I mean, I would fall back all the time. Right. I would fall back. I, and. They wouldn't well, circle we had one back to Bless get me. his heart. that got shin splints. Oh. And that guy toughed it out, and they saw that he was in pain, and he was like, could do everything else, and he was like, and and they they didn't set him back or make him go to medical. You know, he he pushed his way through it. So, I'll never forget his name. It was uh, it was uh, Lance Corporal Lupton. He was uh, he was stationed in Okinawa. And he was an air crewman in the Pedro, you know, the H-46, and uh, volunteered for rescue swimmer school. And we had one other Marine, too, a corporal. And uh, he was the senior guy in the barracks. You know, Carl Brown was an ADA. It was a second class. He was our class leader, but our senior guy in the barracks, the only non, uh, or you know, E-3 and below was him. He was a corporal. And he was a pretty cool guy, too. I want to say our class uh, leader was a Marine corporal, too. We didn't have any pet. Oh no, Joiner. Sorry, I forgot about Joiner. Yeah, I got a good story about that guy. Uh, you know, st sticking up for uh, the rest of us later on. But uh, yeah, so the you know that was the typical evolution, and pretty much after that, I think was uh, going to the pool and then going to lunch. Or did we go to lunch and then go to the pool? I forget. I, it it would it changed because some days the pool is first thing in the morning. Yeah. Right, and then some days, the pool is after lunch. Some days it was it was always we, different. We went to the pool and we PT'd and we ran every single every day. Every day, so. yes. And then there's always some book learning somewhere in there too. Yep. Because yeah, I we had to learn about all the different aviator equipment. Of course, like you said, advanced first aid. Then we did uh, our hand CPR signals. again. Yes, and I have my book did here. Did the full professional rescuer we'd learn uh, the the child and the baby and the, all that good stuff um 
Yeah. So, I mean, I have a book, my book, I have notes, right? Like, okay. Where, like, it's like there's some fill in the blank stuff. Yep. Right, right. So, first aid was first because that's the first, uh, the first lessons were. That might help too because I'm sure some of my recollections are choppy. So, let's see. There's a, there's something I was reading here that made me laugh. Oh. So, lesson topic 1.3, wounds and injuries. The average adult body contains about blank. How much How much blood? Oh, quart, quarts, yeah. Right, so six quarts. Loss of blank usually results in no harmful effects. You had to fill it in. And I have here right, one, like, pint, one pint. Yeah, which Ra- you give when you, when you yeah, donate. When yeah. you donate, yes. Rapid loss of one quart... Also, the blank la- rapid loss of blank will produce shocks. You had to fill in one quart. So obviously, we were tested on this stuff at some point yep. later. And then you know, here's a picture of where you, all your pulse points are, and where to put tourniquets. And 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 this is where I learned that that I can learn about first aid, but when my imagination takes over and thinking about applying first aid, I start getting queasy. Right? I I don't yeah. I don't deal well with thinking about or imagining mangled people. Now, Dude. Now, now seeing them and, ha- and 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 have training kick in, different story, right? But thinking right, about right. it, I had I had the hardest time just talking about Yeah. You know, I understand. People bleeding out or whatever. You know? Yeah. Yep. And and, um, all, and all those are taught by the corpsman. Yep, that's right. So, okay. So, so that first week was pretty much like build up, you know, it was uh, a repeat a of build up swimming, yep. PT, uh, uh, a, a little bit of classroom, but most of the emphasis was just Pete was, was a lot of PT and a lot of swimming and, you know, incrementally notching stuff up every single day. You know, I think even by the end of that week, we were running, you know, more, maybe four miles, maybe even more i don't remember but definitely they were moving the tape out a little yep. further every yep. time we no. we ran and you do more reps you know um also that, that first week in the pool is when we started you know kind of learning the root the the basics of uh, uh of what a rescue swimmer does um the we dis- started learning about uh one of the uh I, I don't remember if it was the first week i don't think it was but um, you know, life-saving because there were certain oh, uh, yeah, yeah. practical tests that you had to do. And I think that was at the end Trump. of the second week yeah, is when you did your life-saving how to uh, approach, practical exam. How to approach a drowning, a, a person who's drowning, right? You're, exactly. You're, so you're learning your, what we called uh, releases and escapes. And pretty much <laughs> they wanted you to be able to do a release and not an escape because escape meant you, now you got to re- get the survivor under control. The idea yeah. was to be able to do a release where you have them uh, in the, the ICIC mode, which is in close in control. Because if you got to do an escape, that meant that they were trying to drown you and it was a last. Well, uh, they were uh, drowning last... and they saw you as a flotation device, right? Yeah, because, <laughs> they're climbing, right, exactly. And they're that's what to... they told us in class too. They, they think <laughs> you look like Hawaii when they, when they see your head coming over and they're going to try to use you like an island. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And you they, had to be prepared for that. They're gonna try to climb on board, right? So you can, yep. so they can sit on you while they float. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you had to be, you know, pr- approach every survivor uh, very warily, 
you know, like they're going to potentially try to drown you too. So yeah, we started learning the rudimentary uh, skills associated with doing releases and escapes in the way that the Navy wants you to do it, not the way the Red Cross or whatever might teach a lifeguard. It's a little bit of a different yes. uh, way of teaching it, different way of doing it. Uh, and having done both, uh, you know, it, it it is a lot different in the rescue swimmer realm than it is being a lifeguard at a pool because you potentially could be doing this in a high sea state where you may see the person and and you don't see him. Yeah. So the idea is you want to when they taught us how to do a proper entry into the water, you know, um, you know, you want to get your eyeballs on that survivor and keep them on there as much as you possibly can. See how um, see what their mental state is as you approach. Are they freaking out? Are they happy to see you? Are they are they lucid? Right? Are they with it or or in shock? Or, or if it's if it's a crew, you know, who's in the most trouble? How can you stage the survivors using a raft? Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, decision making that has to go on with a rescue swimmer who who might be an 18, 19 year old kid there in the water. And that's what they're trying to equip you to be able to do because there's nobody up in that helicopter that's going to be able to tell you what to do. At that point, you're in charge of the yep. of the rescue. Yeah, you're not in communication. You know, until the right. person's back up in the helicopter, you're in charge. Um, so, um, let's see. Um, do you, Do you remember some of the some of the techniques, like yeah, the front you had approach. The like the swim yeah, underneath well, them? yeah, you exactly, yeah. There was the forward uh, or the uh, the front uh, release where you know there was a certain way of of doing that, and they taught you about the pressure points, yeah, uh, like your, in the hips dig, and whatnot. Dig your knuckles into his rib cage those. to get him to to get him to quit flailing about. I remember that. Yep, exactly. Yep. And then there was the rear head hold escape where. They always told you to. The other thing that I remember now that this is coming back to me was what they took, what they called suck, tuck, and duck. <laughs> right. So in other words, if somebody decides that to put a big bear hug on you, and remember we already talked about the fact they don't want to go underwater. They they want to be on top of the water. In fact, they want to be standing on your head. Yes. So what you do is you 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 take a, a as big a bite of air as you can. You suck, and then you tuck your chin down because you don't want them to get your. The idea there is you don't want them to get their arm around your throat and start to strangle you. You know, you press your chin. You know, I'm literally doing it right now to my right, <laughs> down into your as much into your collarbone as you can, and then you duck, which means you take a good solid four sweeps over your head like you're doing a jumping jack. And the chances are they're probably immediately going to let go because that's the last place that they want to go. Correct. Is, is underwater. underwater. Back which, underwater, yes. Yeah. And then, of course, you have to regain control because one of the things that they teach us from the very beginning is uh, what we call uh, in the aviation world uh, that I was in later on and, and is memory items. Or the things that you have to be able to do in a methodical manner. And one of the important things is assessing the situation, which we're taught begins in the helicopter, right? Your how many survivors, you know, yeah. et cetera. 
you know, what type of aircraft that they eject from? Is Are they free floaters? It's all this different stuff that you get over the ICS before you disconnect to enter the water. And even before you jump, you're still assessing the situation. You're looking at the area. Where are, where, you know, is there any debris floating around? Is there anything oil or water, is fuel burning on up fire? Oh, yeah. It's different. These different things that uh, you're, you're, they taught us to be thinking about, and you know, then you enter the water, and the, the the idea then is to approach from the rear because if they can see you, that means they're going to come for you possibly, and and you want to get, you don't want to get into the escape mode, you want to get into the icy or in close in, in control, control mode. Yeah. Yep. So the best way to do that is if you do have to approach from the front is you do a surface dive and you go underneath them and you come around behind them and you get them into what's known as a controlled cross-chest cross carry. carry. Yes. That's, what you, that's what you go for initially. And a controlled cross-chest carry, you basically, you know, you put the one arm around them basically crosswise over the shoulder as far down as you go and you can take, and then you take your other hand and then you clasp them together. Because you and have you fins. put your hip up into their back. Yep. And, and you start swimming, paddling with your feet, and hopefully that initially, in most cases, will calm the person down because you've got them under control. You're also trying to speak to them in a calm manner. It's like, hey, I've got you. Everything's all right. Just relax. Uh, we'll have you out of the water here, but you just got to calm down and relax. And once you get all that done, you get them all squared away and that they have flotation on that they haven't inflated you assess whether that needs to be inflated you get it inflated and now now things are going to start to get a lot easier once they have flotation now if you have the enviable uh, uh, task of a free floater with no flotation you have to give them your flotation so you might think to yourself oh my god you're going to give up your flotation not a problem because you're wearing a wetsuit and that probably given that, yeah. that physical state of your body at the time you're going to have plenty of buoyancy with your wetsuit on and you Cap know you fins. get the SART one over their head and uh, you buckle it up you inflate it and you have them put their hands over the top of it and now they're just happy as can be because they're floating and they don't have to worry about sinking and then the rest of it becomes easy that's really the whole thing is, is getting them under control, getting them into some type of flotation and get keep maintaining control of the situation so you can do the rest of your job, which is checking them over for injuries, making sure that, uh, you know, you don't have any, uh, they don't have any broken bones and whatnot that uh, you need to be prepared to treat when you get them up in the helicopter. And if you have, have your radio, you know, you can radio the uh aircraft and tell them that uh, hey you might need to have a litter Wait, sent you, down to you. you jumped with the radio i don't remember ever jumping with the radio yeah we always we always did in the hs community huh and we got a better radio later on too and a, and a, a better harness and, you know because the equipment changed uh it, over time it evolves yeah because yeah it evolves works, yeah exactly so uh, you know, this, so that we're, we haven't got into so much of the aviator stuff because the first two weeks is, is primarily geared toward, um, basic life-saving skills, basic, uh, um, first conditioning, aid, first, aid. And first aid, and that's pretty much what the first two weeks is devoted to is, uh, like you said, PT, uh, for con physical conditioning, 
uh, pool conditioning and life-saving and uh, doing uh, some other uh, drills in the pool. For example, uh, in that first two weeks, this is when we do things like a, like buddy toes. And that's part of the conditioning process where you got your swim buddy and God help you if you ever get uh, separated <laughs> from your swim buddy. Already talked about because you will yeah. you will pay for that like you will not believe in Mike and I both ex didn't we weren't ones that got separated but we saw people that did get separated and how they spent their day afterwards was not very much fun which is funny because because you know no, it was funny it was hilarious really well, uh, but it happened on Hell Day for us right yeah and I can remember yeah, the exactly. two dudes that it happened to but I can't remember was who my Kazook? for me it was uh, Freeze and uh, Joiner. Richard Fries and, and uh, his first name wasn't Charlie, but we called him Charlie Joyner. Um, yeah. But like the football player. Like the football player, yeah. The tight end for the Chargers at the time. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, Joyner and Fries got separated on the on the open ocean swim on Hell Day. That's that's definitely not a good thing. <laughs> not a good thing at all. Um, but I can't remember who my swim buddy was that day. How sad is that? We also. We also did a uh, something that uh, had a had a very notorious, uh, almost nefarious reputation within the rescue swimmer community. Come the 1988 timeframe, when uh, they did this thing in Pensacola Rescue Swimmer School called Sharks and Daisies. Okay, we didn't. Um, on my class, I don't think we... they called it Sharks and Daisies, but we did something similar to that where. And as I remember it, Mike, we slant, we swam the perimeter of the pool on our side, facing the bulkhead of the pool with the instructors in the middle of the deep end, and they would just come and grab you, and you had to go through your procedures. And generally speaking, the way that was designed, if you were doing the procedures correctly, they just let you do your thing, and then you, you know, you went back to whatever, you know, they kept you swimming, or you got out of the pool. Excuse me. Um, but the uh, evolution in Pensacola, uh, they wound up, uh, as they dude. call it in Pensacola, they smurfed the kid. And smurfing basically is, yeah, they, they made him turn blue. He, he, he uh, went unconscious and, and uh, he died because apparently he had uh, one of those uh, conditions that, you know, was hidden. And uh, the stress he had of a it, heart yeah, attack. Yeah, him. and he died. So that really upset the uh, apple cart to the point where the Navy said, you know what? We're bringing the SEALs back. And okay. they restarted Rescue Swimmer School temporarily on the uh, on the West Coast. I don't know what they did on the East Coast, but they brought a SEAL Master Chief back in from SEAL Team 1 because when I went through Rescue Swimmer Instructor School, not to be a, a Cat 1 uh, instructor, but a Squadron Rescue Swimmer Instructor, they send you back for a two-week school. That master chief, uh, I met him. He was running it. He was had been the master, the command master chief of SEAL Team One. So they took a guy that had a very good uh, reputation. He'd been a buds instructor, and he was it was a lot like uh, Senior Chief Cobber and Master Chief Kazmar, very very low key guy. Um, but he didn't have a high very high opinion of uh, the Pensacola SAR School because well, yeah, because it was they, it was... they let the uh, the uh, um, you know the roosters uh, uh, the fox was basically running the hen house so to speak 
So unfortunately. HS okay, so HS one on the East Coast in Jacksonville ran ran the East Coast SAR school before they became single site, right? Was that yep. was HS one also run by a SEAL? Or was or was only the West Coast I don't school know if run they, by a SEAL? I think only the West Coast school was. I don't think the East Coast school was ever run by the by anybody from the teams. That was some kind of, as I understood it, some kind of special in, in inside the you know the the community you know good deal shore duty billet for an E eight and above. Yeah, you know, well, that makes sense. It was like uh, upper shore duty, and they'd already done a buds instructor tour, and they're like maybe. You know, they just want an easy shore duty tour outside of the community or something like that. They had that one good deal. And, you know, we just happened to have, you know, Senior Chief Cobber and, you know, at the time, Master Chief Kazmar was on his way out. And so I think that's part of the reason why they were so chill. Like, hey, man, this is a pretty good this is a pretty good deal. You know, I'm not going to screw this up. So, and, so, uh, so to give some perspective or some, some background, right? So the Navy wanted to make search and rescue school one location you know they call it single site where it kind of got rolled in with uh air crew candidate school so if you were going to be search and rescue you're like on the same base um and they can and they could standardize make you know east coast west coast didn't matter everything was the same um and i want to say scott that our classes were probably one of the last five or six west coast because i want to say they, this start, they, they were I want to say they, they started were. up the single site for uh, FY84 probably in October. I think, of I think it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because we got a guy uh, in uh, HSL 37 that was in like the second or third class they ever had, and he was just telling me how crazy it was. And I'm going, wow, it was nothing like that. You know, it was completely different from from when when we went through. So, um, and, and apparently the single site SAR school uh, – implemented the the drop on request uh, after that yeah they where, sure did. you know and so if you if you you know and it became more more of a volunteer or i don't know how they stratified it somehow you know but you know in, in today's well, the whole the, the whole thing like even when we went into the sar school there, there was no such thing as a page 13 acknowledging that you're entering into training that you could die doing the training that was all after the Marecki incident, as it was called, from the this kid's name was Michael Marecki, that died in this uh, training oh. evolution. In fact, I had a guy, well, a, a, a friend of mine in HSL 37, was in that class, actually in that class. So you know, I got it from the, the uh, horse's mouth, so to speak. Exactly, you know, kind of what happened in that evolution. You know, they they were doing the sharks and daisies thing, and the, the guy was screwing up a lot. So uh, he he kind of panicked. He wanted to get out of the pool, and they, they had everybody on the pool deck turn and go up, you know, nose to the bulkhead of the pool on the uh, and and just stand at attention quietly while they dragged this kid back into the pool and they and they smurfed him. And and okay, so so, so three dudes, right, are responsible yeah. held responsible. Yep. One of them was an H two guy from HSL thirty five. Dummies, I, and, and yep. you know how? See, see, I've read, you know, I read about it. I remember when it happened. I, you yep. know, and and on Facebook and other, you know, SAR swimmer online communities, it comes up every once in a while, and the whole thing makes me mad 
Because, oh, yeah. Because how full of yourself do you have to be to think that you could change the the curriculum that's worked up until that point to become well, more like buds, right? Were I they, think that was the problem. They, these guys were looking at themselves like, hey, we're going to be like buds instructors. This is like buds, blah, blah, blah. And it's nothing like buds. It's nothing even a close to what buds is supposed to supposed to train people for and and you know it was just uh they had the wrong uh synergy of people there too i think at the time they didn't have enough khaki supervision uh you know after that they required that the you know if they're going to do what they deemed to be a dangerous evolution in the pool that they had to have a khaki out on the pool deck you know so, you know, it it, uh, it really undermined the rescue swimmer program, and I think that's why they brought the SEALs back, huh. at least to North Island, temporarily there in the uh, uh, mid, well, no, the late 80s to get that straightened out. I, I wonder. And then got the single site straightened out, and okay, now we can restart again. I wonder if, um, if, this, if the main school in Pensacola has SEALs on staff now, or if it's still just other rescue swimmers teaching rescue swimmers i think i think it's mostly rescue swimmer or rescue swimmer uh still I, I do know that they've classified it as special warfare now yeah so, so they got they have, the, so they got their wish in that right right i mean it's a lot different uh, than when you and i went in there uh in that into being it was just considered a collateral duty they didn't even have special duty assignment pay when you and i started out in fact flight pay changed significantly you know while uh, while i was flying too so um it was an important job but it was like a secondary job i mean our primary well, yeah, job was, was as a ASW. sensor operator yeah. and a helicopter yes but you all know, but all helicopters utility missions and search and rescue was kind of like okay you're available because every navy helicopter is a sar platform so correct and in our community uh, there was no such thing as a dry dry crewman. If you were gonna, if you were, if for some reason you were NPQ'd or non physically qualified from being a rescue swimmer, you were out of the uh, the lamps community. Well, now, they did have a few dry crewmen. We call them dry loads in they the were, uh, HS community. But they were legacy. I think by the time they weren't putting any dry crewmen in uh, after no mid eighties. I want to say. I mean, they were, they would let them continue to fly, but yeah. You know, once you were once you were they were out, they weren't putting any more in. Does that make sense? I, I, yeah, I know they were exactly. they were they were phasing that program out. But uh, I, I want to circle back to our time, right? Uh, so here's here's a funny story for me from from Senior Chief Carver, and I, and, and it's your guys' class that did this to us, and and I'll probably want to say that it was it sounds like something Ketz Dever would do. Remember Jerome, Jerry? Uh, well, he was one class ahead of me. Oh, sure. then maybe, then maybe was, okay, yeah. who was it? Who was it that, anyway, so you remember that, you know, uh, Return of the Jedi was a big movie in the theaters, right? Yep. And so, you know, Jabba the Hutt was his big fat slug. Right, right. And, uh, you know, Senior Chief Cobber would stand out there in front of us and go, I feel fat today, so we're going to do extra PT. Right. I seem to remember him I, saying that I, I too. Feel, I feel fat. And then, and then, so someone got, someone in your class got wind of this and put a cup from Burger King, give out Star Wars glasses, you know, put the Jabba yeah. Hut glass on his desk. 
Oh, and then next day, you know, that day comes out and says, okay, I now I know I'm fat because someone put a Jabba the Hutt glass on my desk. So now we're going to do extra PT. We're going to run an extra couple miles because I don't want to nice. get, I don't want to get fat. And I just, wish right. I, I wish I knew who had done that because it was, you know, we're all like, what the heck? You know, that, that was, that was definitely not the, a friendly thing to do. Right. I don't want to use the term we would, we would use, um, but, you know, buddy is only one half of the word. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so. Go ahead. Um, going back to the life-saving thing. Um, so, yeah, we, we were doing buddy toes in the pool and different, uh, you know, evolutions. Again, we were playing the it pays to be a winner. You know, uh, if you got out of the pool first, you didn't have to do the next set of reps when we were doing pool conditioning. They do. We would do some kind of races and different stuff like that. Typically at the end of um, the pool evolution, uh, we started learning how to do what we called uh, rescue swimmer deployments. And for rescue swimmers, we deployed from the helicopter uh, two different ways. And uh, one of the ways is kind of has a subset in it. And in, in that for, for daytime, we would jump from the helicopter in a 10 knot creep at 10 feet or in a 15 foot hover uh, hover, and then go down the wire as we call it at night usually depending on the helicopter the h2 that mike and i flew in was a 40 foot hover and then later on when i got into the h60 we did it from a 60 foot hover which, what believe me there's a yeah it's a big difference between 40 and 60 feet how fast was the hoist it was fast. We had a 200-foot cable on it, too, if I remember correctly. Um, so, yeah, we did it from a 60-foot hover in the uh, H60 because it put out a lot. It put out painful rotor wash compared to the H2 was like a dream helicopter as far as rotor wash. It really wasn't that bad. The H60 was just brutal. Um, but anyhow, um, at the uh, this they also start incrementally uh, – notching up the stress a little bit too on on things like doing things faster uh you know you you um had to do it in an expeditious manner you know you had to know these different steps for the different escapes and releases you know had to do them correctly and whatnot yeah all, and the, then stuff, be- all the stuff you've been doing right anything that you've been yeah multiple reps exactly. okay it's gotta be it's gotta be quicker now yeah right so then it comes down to the point where you're going to do the final, pra- the practical test for life saving. This is the end of the second week. And what they did, and just like it was similar to what one, what goes on later on in Hell Day, was they had us all in the locker room sitting down in the, what they call the nut to butt position with your head down on the back of the guy in front of you. And they would just grab you and you come out on the pool deck and, and lo and behold, there is petty officer or instructor Baker, who is probably the best swimmer, as I understood it, in that staff of instructors. He is a, uh, a really quiet guy and a really good guy. He was a first class uh, uh, aviation machinist mate or a jet mechanic, H-46 air crewman. And there he is wearing his goggles, flailing in the middle of the deep end of the pool. And of course... I, I, as soon as I jumped in the water, and they taught us how to jump in the water a certain way, so that uh, you know you didn't, your head never, your head didn't go below uh, the water because you're trying to keep your eyes on the survivor. 
By the time my foot hit the water and the rest of my body is going in the he's he's at the bottom of the pool, literally. I was serious. I couldn't believe it. I was like, he's flailing. I'm jumping in the pool. And as I'm going in the water, he's just sinking to the bottom like a stone. So I had to go down, do the surface dive they taught us, go down, you know, pull him up, you know, get him in the control cross chest carry. And this is a big guy. He's like, remember, he was like 6'4", you know, about 195 yeah. pounds. Yeah, yeah. And dead weight you know because he was solid muscle and drag him up to the surface and uh and then he like woke up and he's trying to fight me a little bit and i just held the cross chest carry shoved my hip up into his back and swam over to the side of the pool and you know unfortunately that evolution was done and successful and i don't remember anybody else having any trouble but i'll just never forget the fact that i'm swimming out there and i look down and i'm like where is he oh shit he's on the bottom of the pool my my dude was face down, floating at the yeah, top. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, my, I looked down. He's on the freaking bottom no, no, of the pool. Mine was floating on the top, face down, right? Like he's oh, dead, face, right? Yeah, like a floater. And you know, you reach, you know, you know, hand left hand to left hand because and you flip yeah. him over, and then you start to put in a cross chest. And my dude woke up at that point. <laughs> yeah, great, right? <laughs> you know, I I un, I get his face out of the water. And start to put him in, and then he wakes up and starts flailing. And then, you know, at that point, control cross, just carry, squeeze him, and get his butt to the side. But, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to be easy. Just going to flip him over and start swimming with him. And then he woke up and freaked out. And I want to say it was the short kind of He kind of rope, rope-a-doped you a little bit. Yeah. I, 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 can, I can think of the dude. I can see his face. I can't think of his name, which is sad. But, you know, yeah, we well we had years. instructor Daniels, uh, who actually I don't know if you know this or not, Mike, but he retired as a the in the only Air Operations 06 billet. He was the commanding officer of Aviation Naval Aviation Schools Command. Good for him. Yeah, and I remember when we he, went through, he was AW two, I think. Yeah, he was an H three guy. McMaster was an yep. H was an H three guy. Um, yep. Baker was a tall guy with the mustache. And then we had a short guy. Uh, we had a shorter guy with a mustache. Um, yeah, and then there was the other guy, AW2 Curtis. He was an H3 guy. Um, McMaster. And we had uh, the other, yeah, like the guy with the mustache. He wound up uh, becoming a pilot to a Navy guy because he was an HS4 later on. Um, I remember he was pretty cool because he was from Massachusetts and he found out, you know, I was from Massachusetts. He was a real nice guy. Uh, actually, they were all good guys. Um, I thought, anyway. Yeah, yeah. They, like uh, I said. Oh, and uh, HE1 Butler uh, was one of our instructors. And he was in Top Gun. Because all those guys were in the movie Top Gun. Because most yeah. of them are still there when uh, they made the movie in 85. Yes. So, um, it's amazing the uh, connections that we have with... Uh, with some of this stuff, you know, I mean, uh, you know, guys I know were in, uh, hunt for red October for crying out loud, Larry Hellum and, and, uh, Tony DeCenzo. I knew both of those guys. Rest in peace, Tony. And, yeah, that's right. He just passed uh, a couple years ago. Um, so that's the first two weeks. Um, <laughs> a, a lot of conditioning again, like I said, a lot of swimming and it culminated with, uh, in the second week, focused on life-saving training, learning how to do the, the 10 and 10 off of the, or actually it was like 10 and zero 
off of the tower. And this is where you learn to hang on to your gear. Oh, okay. Because you came up the tower and there was an instructor up there, and some of them would try to screw around with you and maybe try to take your gear away from you and throw it in the pool. And once it's in the pool, it's on the bottom. Well, of the that's ocean. the end of that. Um, or yep. they they would give you not the correct signals to jump. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. I remember that too. Yep. Um, this is when I have the funny story about uh, the ocean simulator was in that first couple of weeks. So. We were always told, as we've emphasized, that the pool is an ocean simulator. In other words, you'd lose something, it's there, it's gone for good until they tell you to go retrieve it. You there don't are, ever use the ladders. There ever. are no sides, there is no bottom. There are no sides, nothing, exactly. If they told you to loot, you could, you know, it's pretty much you did what you were told. So, so here I am, I think I'd done a jump, and I'm going to get out of the pool, and I, it was Instructor Daniels. He said, oh, yeah, go ahead and use the ladder. <laughs> And I said, I, I'm not authorized to use a ladder. So, oh, no, it's fine. Just use a ladder. It's okay. <laughs> and and uh, so um, I said, I don't think I should use the ladder or something. I said, I told you to use the ladder. So I use the ladder. And and, and uh, I forget which instructor. A couple of them come running over. I mean, they just kind of set me up. They're just playing around a little bit. And uh, well, they had me doing uh, push-ups with my mask full of water and my fins on with my fins on doing push-ups like that so wait daniel didn't Repeat, say he... repeating that the don't the, the pool is not to use the ladder or something like that so he didn't come to your rescue and say oh i told him he could no i think it was all a big <laughs> setup that he was involved with the whole thing <laughs> yeah yeah well, I've was, already... i guess they they were bored and they wanted some uh some cheap entertainment you know i already told my story so about the instructor push-ups right mike dion no. mike dion <sighs> It had to have been like third week because it was disentanglement stuff, right? So, right, that's when we started learning about that. Everyone's kind of practicing different, and not everyone can do it at once. So, you know, a couple dudes are, a couple few dudes are in the water, a couple few dudes are out, right? So he, so someone was working on something. Mike Dion was standing on the side of the pool, telling, "Okay, don't forget this," helping the guy out, right? So, one of the wait, one of the instructors. Oh, so you're an instructor now, and you know. You could see in his eyes he wants to backpedal off of this, right? Like, no, right, no, exactly. I, no, I was just trying to help, but you don't know. Oh, well, you get to do the special instructor push-ups, which is they brought over a chair. Yeah. He put his feet on the chair and his arms. Yeah, so yep. so when he's full full up, he's flat. When he puts his yep. arms down, he's at a reverse incline, right? So yep. instructor push-ups, 100, go. And so there he is struggling. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He probably got to about 30, and he's running out of gas. And, you know, the counting kind of died down. He's over there struggling. Finally, someone asked him, what count are you on? <laughs> he goes, 67, 66. And then the guy said, well, if you're going to cheat, do it the right way. He goes, okay, he goes, okay, 99, 100. All right, get out of there. And, don't, and you know, don't tell people what to do. So that was my... Uh, yeah, they were and they were they were big on uh, on doing all the exercises correctly because they would uh, they would really get on us on the PT field if we weren't doing it correctly. Uh, we get to do some extra, uh, you know, if people weren't doing their eight count bodybuilders correctly. You started over again from the very beginning, and that that really kind of sucked. And that was sort of like the way uh, you, you know, the peer pressure, you know, more, you more don't want to be yeah. that you don't yeah. want to be that guy, right? More about the attention to detail, right? It's it's more more yeah. of that because the attention to detail is what's going to save save someone's life. That you That's remember right. everything and you've done it the way we showed you. 
without now nothing. of course in in between all of this uh you know we do have time off uh just like everybody else in the navy school did not go past 16:30 that first two weeks i remember so, i remember being home by four to be well, honest we done that early maybe we had to be there earlier was that what seven. it was I, we had to be there at zero seven okay so I, yeah 1600 maybe i want to say we're done by 1600 all, all i know is that once i got into cl- not during build-up period but once i got into class i had enough time to go home and take a nap before dinner and I did almost every yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> I remember a few times uh, that first couple weeks, you know, like I said, Gary Minter was one of my roommates along with Mike Dion of coming back, you know, exhausted and uh, just, you know, collapsing into the bunk and waking up and like, oh, crap, I guess we'll go across. Fortunately, we had a lifesaver across the street from us. We had a Navy Exchange 24-hour um snack bar that's that made you know the standard hamburgers hot dogs you know french fries all the stuff that us young guys like to eat so uh we had that at least um i think a few people had a car you know we could uh maybe run down the other end of the base because the chow hall was not what i would call within real walking distance wasn't that but they did have a far. bus that ran on base yeah the um it wasn't that far walk. It was just a pain because it was downhill. It was at the bottom of a hill. Yeah, that's right. right. We were up on yeah, like on the right. raised Mesa area, and it was down. Um, but yeah, people had cars. Uh, and and once we got into class, you know, we we're actually going through the school. A lot of us would take the nap, and usually it was one we of the breaks. You know, would correct wait. me if I'm wrong too. We had head of the line in the chow hall. I'm pretty sure maybe we did. for lunch. Maybe for lunch. Yeah, we did. for lunch we had head of the line. I remember that. But not dinner. Dinner runs on our own no. time because dinner was. And I think we're only authorized to use, to eat in the greens for breakfast and lunch, not for dinner. Chow. But by then, you know, you want to be in your street civvies anyway. So, um, I I, it, I always had no problem getting a ride down to the chow hall or to school. I mean, Boomer had a had a pickup truck. We'd all ride in the back of that to get to school. Class yeah, I remember morning. his truck. Of course, I was in a different class, and I think Gary Minter had a car. And, and that's how we would go back and forth, if I remember correctly. And there might have been somebody else in class, but I remember Gary had a vehicle and uh, riding with him. I bought a car during SAR school, too, so that was it. That was also – but at the beginning, I was bum rides from whoever. Right. Yeah, I rode the bus a lot, too, um, in the beginning. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> you know, uh, it's kind of funny uh, – well, I'll tell this is later on, but – a bus story but anyhow um yeah so the, that was pretty much the first uh two weeks i i don't remember doing a whole lot of any really thing much exciting uh on the weekend no other than trying to no. reco- other than trying to recover sleep Go, a lot going out going out to coronado maybe hitting yeah. the beach i i remember this might have been during class time you know after we classed up that we would we would make trips to la jolla Go use our navy. Yeah. Go use our navy issued gear to snorkel in La Jolla at the Cove. Yeah. Well, um, I think at that if at that time because I went through with Randy Frazier, and he had a van. Yes, I remember Randy's hippie trippy van. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And we, uh, <laughs> do you remember going to the drive-in movie uh, a few times? No. In but the van, we. I remember going to Disneyland though. In the beach. 
Yeah, I remember, remember the Disneyland trip. That was fun. That, can you remember? Do you remember everyone who was there? There were six of us. Yep. Uh, well, obviously, Randy. I remember you being there. So, I was there. I forget. Okay, so it's it's hard. It's hard to remember. There's five of us had the last name begin with F. So Randy Frazier, myself, you, Richard Freeze. Yep. The fifth F I can't remember, and Dave Haddock. Yep. So, um, was it Mike Felky? No. No. It was someone from your class then. Because it wasn't Boomer. No. It wasn't Miller. It wasn't Dion. It was a dude from your class. Last name begins with an F. Because there's five of us that began with F. And one. I'd have to look at the picture again. Ah, we went to Disneyland that day. As a matter of fact, that was a day yeah. after I got there. I mean, I got there the Friday night. And the next morning, I run into you guys. And, you know, hey. We're going you, to Disneyland. You guys want to go to Disneyland? Sure. I got money. Yeah. I want to say that we also did a trip up to um, Magic Mountain, too. But maybe I'm... A mistake, I, and maybe would, that was later on. I would not have. I didn't go on that trip. Um, went to. I remember going to La Jolla and going to the beach, though. Yeah. In the in the uh, in the van. It, you, you know, he slept in that van, right? Yeah. When yep. he when he got to the when he got to HSL thirty five, he got himself a page, and that was his that was his number for the duty office, and he took he took you know. B A you know B A H and B A S and whatever <laughs> lift off base in his right. van, making money. That's pretty cool his... though. Yeah, pretty smart. Uh, um, and then uh, you know the the second half is now we're going to get into the aviator equipment and it, and that kind of started off, you know they they sort of walked and ran uh, before you ran so we we did a, quite a bit of actual classroom this is when we kind of did a little bit more classroom and we learned about all the different types of aviator equipment you know hands-on they had all the mannequins um with the different types of gear you know the integrated torso harness that the the uh jet guys wear the nato harness um and then the prop you know harness some of the air force uh things that were a little bit different and whatnot we went over all of that we had you know written tests on that stuff and then in the pool the first thing we did before disentanglement was what they called canopy orientation i think that was the proper <laughs> so what they did is they had a full-blown canopy and they parachute. put it in the water parachute is canopy right parachute yeah and then what you had to do was like you're we're all holding on to the edge of it and you had to swim underneath of it and using just your feet you had to push the canopy up and say your name and your, your rank and your social security number um, i remember doing i remember yep. doing that and then they taught you on how to get out from underneath the canopy once you're in one you know rolling it up and then tossing it over your head and you know some of the basics of of uh of disentanglement and uh because you don't believe how heavy a parachute is underwater until you try to yeah. push it up, you know how how many metric tons of water the stupid thing holds. And, and you know, and people don't think, well, how can it be heavy, right? It just kind of floats. Well, no, it'll sink. And yeah. Then, and 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 once it fills with water, you know, the gravity's pulling it down, and it's heavy. <laughs> you know, it's what they tell us was like seven tons or something fully deployed underwater. Yeah. Some crazy ridiculous amount of water. Like like if like if. If it's hooked up to an aircraft and it's fully deployed, it will pull the aircraft down. 
like the aircraft could not lift it out. So we, uh, we started doing that and this is when you really had to be able to recite from memory the uh, steps of a disentanglement. You know, I, we talked about the assess the situation, establish communication, approach from the rear, ICIC. Uh, um, after that, you're, you're you're basically trying to make sure this person is breathing, um, inflate their flotation after you clear the head, neck, and chest of shroud lines. There's all these different steps. You know, most of the stuff I still remember because they, it's weird how certain things over the time you never ever forget because they, they just drilled it into you, drilled it into you, and drilled it into you, and you practiced it and practiced it and practiced it, where it, it just becomes uh, organic to your very being to remember this stuff um so we uh we demonstrated proficiency with uh all these different types of harnesses the the different types of fittings for the oxygen mass uh the seat pan the life raft all these different pieces of equipment we had to become intimately familiar and in a water environment not only did we have to learn that we also had to learn how to get somebody out of the water in a litter so it, it be it, it was a building block approach which is you know the normal training method used in a lot of task-based um but the litter the litter the litter schools. stuff wasn't wasn't repped a whole lot i want to say it was more like it what it wasn't rep we didn't rep it a whole lot you know we didn't practice no, putting someone I mean, in a litter we had, a whole we bunch. Had to do, I remember doing it for sure. Yeah, um, yeah maybe once at to least, understand. At least a couple of times. Yeah, I just don't, uh, I don't remember doing it a whole bunch like parachute disentangling we did a lot. Yeah. Right. Well, the, 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 the litter evolution took quite a bit of time. Um, now, I actually did a real rescue with a litter. Not as a swimmer, but as the hoist operator. So, it does take some time. Fortunately, the in this particular case, there wasn't a very high sea state. It wasn't that difficult for the guy in the water, but it did take him a little time to get this kid in there because, you know, we got a report that this kid fell off the side of the, the carrier, which is up about, I don't know, what, 50, 60, some odd feet? I don't know, 80 high, feet? I don't yeah, know how yeah. high it, It's freaking high, right? So, you know, you have to assume that this person has a, you know, head, neck, or spinal injury when, when that happens. Um. Yeah, and that's pretty much what we did the whole third week was nothing but that. Plus, of course, every day you're also still doing the conditioning, still PTing, running, you're still running, PT. you're yeah. still running further every freaking day, um, and you're still swimming, doing conditioning stuff in the pool. And then you do the um, the disentanglement uh, procedures, and uh, you know the instructors are watching you, uh, doing it, you know, critiquing you, teaching you. Um, you know, you're, you're still doing the same drill in the, uh, at the pool, you know, getting wet, being on your spot, holding your gear correctly, them yelling, sorry, jumping in the pool. You do that every single time. So after a while, it just becomes second, second nature. nature. I mean, you and, really, and there's no, screw you ups. really get dialed in. There's really What's no, that? there's really no, there's really no clowns at this point, right? All the clowns have no. washed, have been washed out already. At this point, everyone's pretty fairly dialed in. Yep, I would say so you know, too. Aside uh, from a couple mental mental lapses on Hell Day, you know, they're pretty much 
you they already know that you can you have what it takes to get this thing done yeah exactly so so by the end of that third week um you're you're pretty much trained now it's the it's the final polishing and doing your water entries and uh you know uh hell day and before the water that's hell day is um kind of exactly what it is um i think uh, as as i recall um we had to be there earlier than normal and i want to say that uh and was it too early i know we it wasn't like ridiculous but it was like maybe like 0600 or something yeah, yeah. i think yeah, they had. maybe an hour early yeah and uh, I, I i don't remember Remember if we PT before the ocean swim or, or nope. what? But I, nope. It uh, was, I think we, the first thing we did was the ocean swim. Yes, it was. We mustered in the classroom. Uh, yep. They came in and told us we're, we today we are not your friends, and that was the one day they weren't <laughs> nice to you. <laughs> right. Um, you know, the open ocean swim was uh, no no mask or fins. It was just you know t-shirt and UDTs. Um, now see when we did ours. We had everything on, including the hood and the gloves. What? And they took, yeah, we had everything on. They took us out to the point where the the jetty is. Yes. And we went halfway out the jetty. We went all the way to the end. Maybe we went all the way to the end. I don't know. It's like a ways out there. And it's slippery Um, rocks, right? Because the waves are crashing. Slip on the rocks and and seagull shit (laughs) and and getting out there. And when we went, we had the sea of the squadron did the swim with us commander bar nice and master chief cobber was his swim buddy so master chief or senior chief cobber was out there doing the swim too nice so um trying to remember who my swim partner was yeah i can't remember who mine is um but anyhow they pointed that that way the hell down there to like the 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 buds you know area there it was the fence it was the fence that separated the public yeah. beach on Coronado from yep. the Navy base. That was the point you were swimming to. Yeah. I'm looking at that. That's a long freaking ways to go, right? Mile and a quarter, right? So mile and a quarter open yeah. ocean swim. Something like that. And so we get in the water and we start swimming. And of course they've told us repeatedly, do not get separated from your swim buddy. <laughs> when, and re, re, say that again, you know, I will not get separated, you know, literally, you know. So we're doing our thing. Everything went fine on our deal. I think they had a boat following us out there, if I remember, like a, you know, like one of those Liberty boat things from the boathouse. And uh, you know, if you got in trouble, you're supposed to do the. And we didn't even talk about the hand signals. We can talk about that later. But anyhow, you know, like if you get in trouble or whatnot. And so here's what's happened that was really funny on on the on the ocean swim we're doing. So we're in the full wetsuit, and you know you're. You, to a to a sea lion, you look like one of them, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, you also might look like a for a great white, which hang out me- in that part of the a meal, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a meal, right? But you don't think about that, and that water is dark too, man. The visibility—you can't even see your hand in front of your face. The visibility of that water was awful, and so I forget. Gosh, I just cannot remember who the heck my swim partner was for nothing. But all of a sudden, he just jumps up. And he goes, oh, my God, something touched me. And I'm going, looking around underneath and going, holy shit, right? And, and and sure enough, 
up pops the head of a sea lion. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. Because he must have saw us, and he's like, and then that Buddies. damn thing wouldn't leave us alone after that. Oh, that's cool. He kept swimming around and and like darting between us, and like every once in a while he'd like he'd like bump you with his nose or something like that, and jump around. So he was having a he's having he was fun. having a big time. That's he awesome. Thought we were one of his long lost cousins or something. And uh, you know, after you. a while he <laughs> yeah he got bored and he got bored and left, and so we swam in. And sure enough, I forget who the two people were, but there's two people that got disconnected. And uh, needless to say, they were separated by six feet of rope, and they each had to have a rescue strop or a horse collar is the other way of, in the vernacular around them the entire rest of the evolution. And, of course, we're PTing, but one of the evolutions they had us doing it was they had us doing a leapfrog all the way around this triangle. So you can only imagine these two guys trying to leapfrog tied connected together. like that. Tied together. Oh, my God. it was. And for us, we didn't get to go to the chow hall. They gave us box lunch, a sandwich and a wax paper bag and an apple. Wait a second. No, for us, that was dinner. We got chow hall lunch. Maybe that was dinner. We got I chow. just don't remember. Because I remember at one point we, we got a meal and it was like a like a ham sandwich in a wax paper bag and an apple. After after the open ocean swim, we got to get cleaned up, you know, rinse off the salt water, put on yep. greens, do some PT and some running, and we got yep. we got broke for lunch. And Doc said, "Drink water, <laughs> don't drink milk, don't eat anything heavy, because you yeah, because you're gonna be puking." Yeah, it's you know more stuff's coming, so. You know, try try to go easy, just uh, replenish some energy. Well, and, and you then, know, you talked about your bus thing. We had something similar happen with ours. So they took us by bus over to the uh, um, Naval Amphibious Base. And so now we're going to have some fun running in the sand. And that is not fun. Yeah, we obviously. did the same thing. And we're going up and down all of these stupid hills where they had all their obstacle course. And then they're having us, uh, you know, doing push-ups. And then, of course, people couldn't keep up and we're circling back. And we ran all the way down to the pit, the mud pit that the Buds guys use and back. All the way back. Yeah. yeah we to, did. Uh, where the back gate at North Island is. That took the whole that took up the whole uh, afternoon chunk of the afternoon yeah so here we are and it's just almost the same thing happened when you were talking about it when you went over it you know we we were all strung out and i get to the bus i get on the bus other people start getting on the bus everybody gets on the bus and i forget who the instructor was everybody get off the bus like oh shit we get off the bus, they leave us there, and we have to run all the way the frick back along that whole perimeter road back to the freaking school. Oh, my gosh. That's what I said. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. Because, I mean, we'd already been – my thighs felt like they were literally on fire at that point. Um, I just had to, like, disconnect my brain from the rest of my body is what I told and, myself. Yeah, just plotting, don't think yeah. about it. <laughs> just plot along, right? They can't kill me. And if I don't quit, I'm good. So I'm not going to quit. The only way I'm going to quit is if I fall on my face unconscious, right? Correct. And that's kind of the way they wanted you to approach it. If you, you kept, if you did that, they were not, they were not going to, you know, drop you or, 
or, or what have you. And I knew that, right? And, uh, and everybody else was, you know, nobody got dropped by that point. And by the, like you said, by the, almost by the end of the first week, nobody gets dropped because they, they've separated the people that either aren't physically fit or they can't swim or what have you. Can't hack it mentally. Can't hack it mentally or what have you. So, um, the, uh, then we got the, and I think we went, for, did some more PT and I think we went for another run, believe it or not. And uh, of course, yeah. now you're waiting for it to get dark. Yep. And, because... and I think they, we might have been in the classroom and they were giving us a briefing on what was going to, you know, and this is your final practical, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what they did was they rigged up the pool with strobe lights and chem lights and all this, like, um, and whatnot. And, Big uh, boom box. They us a, in, yeah. And, and, you know, students from the previous class, right? Come make noise yeah, on screen. Yeah, they're out there yeah. raising hell and, and uh, doing stuff. And uh, they had us in the locker room, again, in that uh, nut-to-butt position. And they just randomly would grab you. And then you'd have three instructors surrounding you. And, like, you've got two men you know, they, they're telling you what's going on. Literally, I had, like, a, a McMaster with a freaking bullhorn, like, right in my <laughs> face. Yell, I mean, and, and you're just like kind of like in a, and you got the the thing you have in your mind is do not let them get your gear, right? <laughs> because they're trying to do that, right? And, and I wasn't gonna let let go of that gear for nothing. And even to the point where, like, when you get up there, here, let me hold your fin for you. I was like, no, <laughs> I had him slid up my arm because I forget who was up on the tower. Here, I'll hold your fins for you, and I wasn't gonna fall for that. I, I'd slid him up my arms before I went up the, the, the ladder, you know? Oh, yeah. And then he points, and it's a guy in a raft with a parachute hanging out. And it was Instructor Willard. That's the guy. That was ah, the, that's Willard, yes. Later. The other, the other guy, the, mustache, <coughs> the so, shorter guy, the mustache. Willard, yes. Yeah. I swim up there, and he's, like, unconscious, and it's a jet guy, right? And and I'm doing all my all my stuff. And I'm just about to get him out of the raft when he decides that's when he's going to wake up and panic. Yeah, see, Willard was so a basically, dude. Willard, Willard was a dude that did the I basically panicking. spun him. I basically spun him around in the raft and grabbed both of my hands around the spine of his SV2 and just hung on to him and just like calm down, calm down. Like, and he finally like calmed down, kind of like you know, kind of flailing around a little bit. And I and then I got him out of the raft, all of that shit. Got him distant. First, I had to pull the parachute into the raft, and that's when he when he freaked out on me while I was doing that, because I was moving the the raft around with my yeah. hands, you know. As I'm tr and right about then, he like reached down to try to grab me by my mask and stuff. So then I had to spin him around in the rat in the raft and then get a hold of him, and uh, so got him calmed down and all that. Got him got the parachute in the raft because you didn't want the canopy to get filled up with water and drag him out of the raft so yeah. they taught us to get the parachute in the raft with the dude disentangle him as much as you can get the, all the fittings off and then get rid of the parachute from the rep from the raft so i did all that crap got him out of the raft and uh uh simulated sinking the raft you know i just said i'm sinking the raft you know blah blah yeah. blah because we didn't have the knife but no. You had to go through the motions and then uh, demonstrate got what you're doing. up to the, you know, in the hoist and all my thing. And uh, 
and got out. And I don't. I think they had to sit on the side when we were done, didn't they, Mike? What did they do? I forget. No, they let you. They let you contribute to the noise and confusion. Oh, really? Okay, I don't remember that, but yeah, you might be right about that. I was in the middle of the pack with uh, getting selected, but I, I just remember McMaster like right in my face with a freaking bullhorn that felt like shoving it down his yeah. throat. But, I, I was second. Willard was a dude oh, at the top. Of, Willard was a dude at the top of the tower for me, and Baker was my survivor. So, you know, was he point, in a raft or was he a free floater he was, or a, he a was jet guy? Jet guy, jet guy, parachute. You know, floating with his parachute, kind of like chilling. I can't remember if he pretended he was unconscious or not, but he was just kind of floating there. Came up behind him, how you doing? Start, you know, start dragging him to separate him from the parachute and do my. He was not. An, he was not a hard. He didn't have himself all wrapped up or anything like that. I think he had one. Yeah. I think he had one shroud line around one foot. You know, but starting to move him backwards through the water to separate him, almost everything fell off. And that was the only thing I do. So everybody in our class made it through. Same and uh, I remember, uh, you know, of course, being tired. And we all went over to the snack bar. You know, the next snack bar over there, you know, got some hamburgers and ice cream and all that kind of good stuff. And we had to be back in. I think they let us come back in a little later the yeah. next day. If I'm Yeah, not, take a test. Like I 10 s- o'clock or something like that? Yeah. Maybe 9, I forget exactly. And take a written test. I remember a written test. Yep. And then... Back to swimming and PT in the afternoon. I want to say that was the day we did the PT out. Oh, that sounds that right. Might have been, that sounds right. Might have been that day because the next day was the big day. And that's when we were going to do our. No. Okay. So hell day was Thursday. So if we PT'd out on Friday, we were off until the following week. Okay. So, so then it was the next the next week is when we were going to do because one day we did the day and the next I don't know if it was the next day but it, another day we did the night and then we also oh, had to the jumps. do the we, you talk about the, that yeah so I'm jump. talking about the day yeah. entries and the night entries maybe that's when we did the PT out I don't I don't really remember I, okay see I re- I remember doing the day and night and like kind of like the same day. Yeah, we we did not do it in the same day in my class. We you know we. we took- and, and be- we took off in the afternoon, and then when it yeah, turned, it was it, it was definitely pink. separate. It was definitely two days in my class because we had a we had a larger class than you did. I mean, your class was smaller than mine by quite a bit, um, well, wait, and we that, we did that, it in two different types of aircraft too. So yeah, yeah. See, now that I think about it, we because pro- we flew in a, we did H threes and H forty sixes. Yeah, we did forty sixes for the day stuff. And then we did the H3s for the night stuff. And actually, on the night evolution, a couple of the instructors were the air crew. I mean, they were the guys running the hoist. And yeah. It was, it was McMaster, McMaster and Daniels. Uh, were... And Daniels, yeah, yeah. They were the first and second crewmen on the helicopter I was in. Yes, same here. As a matter of fact, and, uh, uh, McMaster, was it Daniels? Wait. McMaster was the one It was that... definitely Daniels was one of them. I want to say McMaster was the they, other one. They were both, but one of them took you know exhaust black and rubbed it in all our noses when we were done. Oh, did he? Yeah, that was his, you know, that was his way of keeping track of who'd gone in the water already. And and I remember, uh, you know, the the H forty six thing. They were giving us some really good jump altitude. Every, I mean, dude, I remember uh, <laughs> watching the uh, the helicopter go past me after I jumped because they jumped us in like a string of three, I think, maybe four. He was dragging the main wheels yeah. through the water. Yeah. Well, because it, it, it was literally like 
you stood up on they had the air stair was down you yeah. stood up on the air stair and you just basically stepped off into the water it wasn't really like you were jumping yeah it was they, pretty pretty easy because they're they're Cause that's how they told us to do it we're going to tap you three times step step stand up on the air stair and just step off into the water i'm like okay because their hover and, attitude uh, is you know a lot different than it was much lower yeah and you know the the nose is high tail low it had a huge quiet area underneath it too i mean i think that's probably one of the better sar platforms you know the h3 is a good one too but the 46s they hovered low when they when they hoisted you um as i recall and then uh yeah like in the night entries uh that was where we uh we did the thing as, as mike calls it when we call the two is teabag where there's guys in the water you go down hook you go through your procedures hook them up they raise you up halfway lower you back down hoist you back up lower you back down disconnect because we didn't fly back in the helos in the h3 we w went to the boat when you got down you swam to the boat yes uh and that, that's the only time i ever flew in an h3 my entire time in the navy was that uh evolution there well uh, uh when i was on deployment john bruff he gave me a ride back to my boat oh did he <laughs> that's on, cool i was on the uh uh he was he was like the only dude i knew on uh, uh, on the carrier at the time right, right. so i was on how my flight physical expired so i was on the, i was on the constellation you know seeing a flight surgeon get my my that's up. right because he was an hs hs8 he was an hs8 right so yeah so i get on the carrier you know they stick me in some transient birthing space and then i go hunting for him and i, and I really i really hung out in the hs8 ready room most of the time and uh one one day i'm in there and i see that they have dlq for my boat listed on their flight schedule i'm like hey <laughs> can i hitch a ride can i go I, like why what's up i go that's my boat i'm done here can you take me back you should see my deploy my debt surprise and i stepped off that sucker with all my crap <laughs> with all the with all the because they sent me with a bunch of shit to get pme too oh here's some torque right. wrenches here's some torque wrenches need recalibration here's this and needs recalibration I'm like so I step off the 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 eight baller thing with all this crap. I'm like, what are you doing back? I'm done. <laughs> what are you talking about? That was a miserable five days, let me tell you. When you're used to small boy sailing, aircraft carrier life is not fun. No. I mean it grows on you a little bit, but then if you've been on a small boy and you're pier side in Hong Kong and you're like, This is life, because I've done that. Where I was pier side in Hong Kong, we're the only ship pier side. Everybody else is anchored out, including oh. all the small boys. Oh, that's because we had the Deseron, though. So, oh yeah, you know. yeah, the Commodore or Rabo. Yeah, we we're we we're birthed right there at the you know where the little the Royal Na uh, HMS Tamar, you know the Royal Navy base there that was in Hong Kong. I never where government houses. I never made it to Hong Kong. My ports of call. Oh, you never made it. Oh, that sucks. Hong Kong was good liberty, man. You'd love. I've probably been there six or seven times. My port visits were Pearl, Subic, Singapore, Diego Garcia, Bunbury, Western Australia, back to Subic, back to Pearl. My one deployment. That's not bad, though. I mean, you got Australia, so that's that's pretty good. No, it wasn't bad. But two. I mean, I know guys that uh, that did a deployment on the Ranger when the Ranger had the, the, six, their the, six pack crews. <laughs> they they went to the like Pearl Harbor PI, circled around out in the Gulf and the, the Indian Ocean, went back to the uh, 
PI, Hawaii, and back to oh, San yes, Diego. Yes, I remember that. That was their six packers. They had they had an, enough days underway. They got two beers. Went so every forty five ninety, they did one hundred thirty five days underway. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My two my two long at sea periods of forty three and forty seven days. I wasn't that bad. What, what's What's really insane is that uh, that DDG that just pulled in three or four weeks ago. I that saw that picture. Freaking seven months. I'm just like, a rust really? oh and, and rust streaks everywhere. Oh I, yeah. I'm wondering how how the captain kept in the XO and that kept that crew from going freaking bananas. But obviously they uh, they held together. You know, uh, it's a whole different navy today, dude. We would not understand. We would yeah. not understand. Um. All right. So let's let's kind of wrap this up because sure. we're set, we're setting a record here for duration yeah well there's a lot going on in SAR school you know yes kind of a yes that's kind of a big uh that's kind of a big deal in my mind even for for me that was the like the the biggest deal of of all the training i did in the pipeline was that because that was obviously the toughest oh yeah everything we yeah 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 i mean not mentally hard right not not challenging you your mental ability to calculate or whatever but mental toughness, right? The, yep. the 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 thought process to push through nagging whatever, or yeah, you, know. you just like I said, when you know I, I had to disconnect my brain from my body so I could function on uh, on some of that stuff on hell day, like that run back after we'd run in the sand and my thighs felt like they were on fire. I just had to disconnect my brain and just not think about it. I mean, we and should... that sounds kind of weird to some people, but we should that mention... was what I did we should mention the reason for hell day is that you know the the idea is that you're going you might have a full day on uh, you know on your ship or whatever and you know it's you've been up since zero seven it's 2300 11 o'clock at night you're putting your aircraft to bed and a SAR call comes and you're the closest they come asset. wake you up you're the closest yeah. asset you haven't even gone to sleep yet right yeah exactly and and now you gotta you know you could get your airplane ready to fly and you're going to go. And so that was the idea of hell day was that, you know, you have to perform at your high capacity, even after a long, tough day of regular work. That's now, right. That was the, that was the point, main point of it. And so that's. Train, I mean, look train. what, uh, what, look what, uh, Tim teacher and, uh, you know, Carrie Middleton had to do, you know, I think that was like they weren't expecting to uh, have happen what happened on their cruise, and then boom, there they are, fucking. Uh, what was it a ferry or something like that that capsized with a bunch of people on it, like multiple people? Because huh. I know they both they both got the Navy and the Marine, Navy and Marine Corps medal for that. Where did that happen? Uh, in the South China Sea. Huh. Yeah. No. I. I... I got no rescues. Uh, and I remember Carrie Middleton was kind of a joker, you know, like in uh, when we were in HSL 31, because he was, I think he was ahead of us. If I remember, maybe he was behind, I forget. And he wound up retiring just not too recently as, as a commander and it, it commanded an H, uh, HSC squadron. Good for him. Yep. <laughs> but he was kind of a joker back in our era. Yeah, well, you know, when you're young, you have no idea. Yep. Have yeah, no, I, I mean... I did SAR search and rescue calls every year, and never once uh, 
never once got a got a rescue and like at the same time other people that are out at the same time I was you know they get two <laughs> it's all about being in the right place at the right time yes yeah all right what else what else do we want to cover under search and rescue well I think um Next time we can kind of wrap up that last little bit of rescue summer school and then uh, talk about the next evolution in the pipeline, which was uh, Sear School Survival my... Evasion Resistant Escape. <laughs> my favorite. I loved it. I loved it. I could play screwed up, but Very I Very interesting. It. <laughs> Very interesting. What's that? I think I think I'll Sear School. I think I'll attribute my current level of patriotism directly to Sears School. A lot of things. You know, what, uh, you know what I'm saying? It gives you a lot of perspective on things. Yeah, it surely does. It surely does. All right. So um, since we're already starting to ramble about the next subject, we'll, we'll, we'll officially call this one done. Right. We've, we've exceeded standard pro- protocols for podcast duration but you know maybe someone sits in big traffic when they're listening to this and i'll get them through or a round trip to and back from work or something who knows um right so before uh before i close it though I, i'll close with what i always close with is asking for feedback uh both of us have email addresses you can reach reach out to either one or both of us if you'd like so you can contact me at mike at navalair.net and you can contact scott at scott at navalair.net your choice one or both um, we'd love to hear from from people who are listening who want to maybe they want to contribute tell their stories about some of what they remember what they did in the navy way back in the way back or heck i'll take i'll take people who are who are young still doing it now i'd like to hear what what they do now yeah how much how different it is and you know how similar how similar yeah, it, what's, it is what's the same, same and what's different and try not to be that old man you know you know you guys have no idea no i want to i'd really like to hear how things are for them so uh all right so you're good you have anything else you want to quickly add before we close it no i uh i really enjoyed it as I always do, and I welcome uh, any questions or uh, comments, things that you want to learn about that maybe Mike and I can uh, enlighten you on with uh, naval aviation during the height of the Cold War. Yeah, which, which is 35-year lens. Don't forget that part. <laughs> which is when we served. We were, yeah. as Mike said, we were fortunate enough, I would say, to be at the tip of the spear when uh, the U.S. Navy and the uh, Soviet Navy were kind of uh, at a real head, especially, I would say, that period, uh, 1985, 1986, is when things really got uh, very tense in the uh, relationship between the Soviet Union and the United States. And I think that's about the time we basically broke their back and it was a downhill slide into what they called perestroika and glasnost and all that. And then... uh, 
the end in 1991. That's right. We laid that foundation. All right, then. Well, with a with that eloquent closing remark from my pal here, I'm going to uh, bring it to a close. I'm going to say thank you for listening and to stay safe. And God